Marketing of the thing can't make up for the thing. If you've been listening for a while, you've probably heard me say that, I don't know, 50 or 60 times, and I'm sorry, but it is true. There is a connection between operations and marketing, and I think it's more obvious uh, than you may think. On this week's episode, I want to talk all about that connection, and I want to help you find a way to bridge the gap between the two sides of your restaurant, right? Operations and marketing. Stick around. There's an old saying goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for anyone who's looking. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close and this is Restaurant Strategy, a weekly podcast dedicated entirely to the restaurant industry. My goal is to take complicated marketing concepts and make them both understandable and actionable, and then to help you find ways to incorporate what you've learned into your day-to-day operations. I want you to change your mindset and I want to challenge some of the assumptions you have about this industry. By the end of each episode, we come up with some key insights, and then I always try to finish up with an assignment. I try to leave you with a short, actionable task, something you can do right away to start implementing some of the ideas we talk about here on the show, because as I always say, information is only as valuable as the action it inspires. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback platform that actually drives revenue. These days, so many restaurants are using third-party delivery platforms to drive revenue, but once the food goes out the door, it's often impossible to maintain a connection to the guest. So restaurants all over the country are turning to Ovation to solve that problem. Recently voted the number one guest feedback platform in a nationwide restaurant owner survey, Ovation uses an SMS-based survey, right? So they use text messages as a digital touchpoint that is redefining guest feedback. If the experience was great, then your guests are prompted immediately to leave an online review and are then automatically invited back or urged to convert over to first-party ordering. If it wasn't great, You're notified so your team can resolve issues in real time. Get more feedback, more reviews, and more revenue with Ovation. Visit ovationup.com slash chip to get 2,000 free text messages. And don't worry, that link is in the show notes. A friendly reminder that Restaurant Strategy is now on Patreon and the community continues to grow. There are four different tiers of membership. Each one has a bunch of different perks included, but each level grants you access to our new private podcast, The Daily Special. New episodes drop every weekday, Monday through Friday, short, snackable content. Visit patreon.com slash restaurant strategy. Now, There's an old saying, I told you at the top, you've heard me say it over and over and over, it goes like this. Marketing of the thing cannot make up for the thing, right? You, you can't just uh, you can't just uh, you know build a restaurant right here right like have the culinary team and the service team and everybody you know you know working here to to make the restaurant and then keep marketing down the hall and say okay big decisions are made here and and then you you know you just send a folder down the hall and say okay this is what we decided now now go uh, now now go market it right go go sell this product that's not how marketing works or rather that's not uh, that isn't how it, it should work right. 
The best way to market a restaurant is to create a restaurant worth talking about, to create a restaurant uh, worth dining at, worth returning to time and time and time again. And and of course, we're talking about restaurants because this is restaurant strategy. Uh, this whole podcast is all about hospitality. Uh, but this mentality uh, can work in any industry, in any market, no matter what product, service, or experience we're trying to sell. I always use the example of the iPhone, right? The iPhone sells itself because smartphones are incredible, right? They're, they're, they're one of the most revolutionary Evolutionary devices uh, that we've has ever been created, right? There, there, there are profound uh, changes uh, in our society that have happened uh, simply, uh, simply with the introduction of the iPhone, right? It's an extraordinary device, and it markets itself at this point, right? They don't have to make commercials or print ads or whatever. Uh, you simply know about the new uh, about the new iPhone. You you hear when the new device comes out, and you hear about the new features and all of that. The very best products out there are great because the products are great. They are easy to market. The marketing is great because the products are great, right? So I talk a lot about uh, the ABCDs of marketing, right? Again, ABCD stands for audience, branding, competition, and differentiation. It's a four-step framework that I talk about quite a bit uh, that helps you identify who you are and who you're for. It's about identifying a market for your product, right? So often the thing that drives me crazy is that uh, I say, oh, I'm a marketer, and people start saying, uh, you know, talking to me about, you know, SEO or Facebook ads or, you know, email strategy and all of those things are great. They are tactics, uh, tools that, uh, that a marketer uses, but marketing really begins at a much more foundational level. Marketing is about identifying a market for your product, right? I, I, seeing where there is a need, looking at an audience and saying, hey, they've got that problem. I wonder if I can solve that problem. Or they've got a problem. Hey, I think my product solves that problem. Or here is my product. Let's figure out who needs this product. Let's see what problem this solves and, and how we can, can match up our, our solution with the problem, right? That's what marketing is. Marketing is about identifying a market, figuring out who wants what you have, right? And a big part of this is about positioning, understanding uh, that a market, uh, that any market is already established, right? There are already restaurants in your town. So if you open a restaurant, you have to compete against other restaurants. You're going to have to figure out uh, who uh, who wants to come to your place. Who's the kind of person uh, that will love what you're going to do and, and where else do they go? This might sound obvious, right? But but that's, that's what competitors are, right? That's how we figure out uh, how we fit within the market, right? So, uh, and, and part of this is having to really define uh, what you do and how you are different from the competitors because you're going to have to communicate that to uh, to your audience, right? This is something uh, that, you know, in, in marketing textbooks, they call the value proposition or the unique selling proposition. It's the same idea. The, the bottom line is what makes us different or better, meaning why would someone choose us instead of a competitor? Why would they choose this product as opposed to another product? And you can't be vague about this. You've got to be really clear about why you are different or why you are better, right? So if you run a, run a pizza place, right? This idea of, you know, we make pizza for, let's say, people who like thin crust pizza, or we make pizza for people who like traditional Neapolitan pizza, or we make pizza for people who like, let's say, deep dish pizza, right? You can go on and on and on and on, but this is the baseline, the, 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 the 
foundational, the, the fundamental uh, part of marketing that's so often skipped over. Uh, those of you uh, who have been following for a while know that I love to talk about this. It's a big part of what I do. It's a big part of the work I do with uh, with my clients, and it's a lot of what I harp on here uh, on uh, here on the show, right? But all of that says that it's not just about creating a product and then trying to figure out what, what makes you stand out. The idea is to reverse engineer this, to build a product that stands apart, right? When they made the iPhone, they didn't make it like all the other phones out there and then just, you know, made some gimmick or some tweak to the design. It was fundamental to the design. This idea that it was a flat screen, that it was a computer in your pocket that doubled as a phone. So it was baked right into the pie. And I want you to remember that analogy. You gotta bake those differences. You gotta bake your value proposition into the pie as you're making it. Now, Seth Godin, you know I always love to talk about him. He writes a lot about trends and culture. It's a subject that's really near and dear to my heart. It's something that I think about quite a bit. Uh, but he says that the most important seven words a marketer needs to remember are these. People like us do things like this. Right? So again, people like us do things like this. And when, when you look at any, any tribe of people, right, uh, Seth Godin wrote that book called Tribes, and, and it was kind of based on this idea of people like us do things like this, is that who is the us and what is this, right? You know, who is the crowd, who is the group we're talking about, and what is the action, the behavior uh, that they are doing, right? So, so people like us do, do what, right? So think about this in terms of now the restaurants, right? Why do people go out to fancy restaurants, Yes, they, they go out to eat, but that's not it, right? Because they could get uh, they could get food faster or cheaper or you know more comfortably you know at another place. Why do people go out to fancy restaurants? They go out to have an experience. They go out because that's what people do, right? That's what let's say affluent people do when they celebrate their anniversaries. They go out to a fancy restaurant. They go out to a, a trendy restaurant, a famous restaurant, right? An expensive restaurant. People like us do things like this. For our anniversary, in order to mark the occasion to celebrate, we go out and spend a lot of money. We go out and enjoy this kind of experience, right? Now, apply that to, to other markets, to other industries. Why do certain people buy a certain kind of car, right? Uh, when we when we talk about this, uh, you know, what comes to mind uh, most uh, most aptly is Volvo, right? So uh, the Volvo story, and I might have shared this in the podcast before, but I will tell you again in case you haven't heard it. Uh, Volvo uh, was kind of a middling company years, you know, decades ago at this point, you know, 50 years ago. Uh, they were uh, constantly rated the safest car on the road year after year after year, but they still weren't, you know, carving out market share and they didn't understand it, right? Uh, automobile accidents uh, are, you know, were and still are uh, one of the biggest causes of death, uh, certainly in, in this country. And so building a safe car you'd think would appeal to people and uh, and it just wasn't catching on and nobody understood why. And famously, they redesigned the car so that it was somewhat uh, boxy and ugly. And the idea was, right, and, and, and go with me here on the psychology of it, uh, you know, picture that soccer mom driving their three kids kids to and from school in kind of this square, boxy, ugly car, the idea being uh, that other mothers, right, other other parents would look and say, 
wow, they must, that woman must really love her kids because she's willing to drive such an ugly looking car, right? That safety is that important to her that she's willing to drive an ugly car. It was counterintuitive, but I'll tell you, history says that that was the thing that worked. That was the thing that unlocked Volvo's success. And now, 40-some years later, they still own that position in the market. They own that position in the eyes of the consumer. I say safety, you think of Volvo without a doubt, right? So why do certain people buy a certain kind of car? It's easy to understand when you think of it in those terms, right? And you can look at uh, you know, other beloved brands like Tesla, like uh, Cadillac, like Porsche, like y- y- you fill in the blank, right? Why do certain people do certain kinds of things? People like us do things like this. People who care about the safety of their kids buy a boxy looking car because safety is most important, not aesthetics, right? But then extrapolate out, right? Why do certain people decorate their house a certain way? Um, It's about trends and culture, right? Um, You know, does HGTV, uh, you know, just do the things that are trendy or are they setting the trends? I I think if you ask me my opinion, they are really setting the trends. Uh, Other people are now making their homes to look like these beautiful, you know, HGTV renovation homes, right? Why do we go to college or why do we go to famous colleges or, or brand name colleges? All of it has to do with culture and really our strong need to belong. Again, Seth Godin wrote that book called Tribes, and it is about, um, you know, about that sense of belonging that we need. Humans are, um, you know, our community, uh, community species. We, we value, uh, you know, our connection to people. We want to be part of community. Again, it's a very powerful idea. People like us do things like this. As marketers, we can influence the culture simply by the way we choose to promote our products, or rather, or also I should say, the way we design our products. How do we do that? I will explain in just a minute after a word from another one of our sponsors. Now, there is no better marketing than word of mouth, like a recommendation from a friend or a, or a colleague or a family member. The restaurant funnel sales system is built with that principle in mind, right? It's guaranteed to deliver new guests to your restaurant. They accelerate that, that traditional word of mouth process uh, by utilizing both paid and organic channels. Restaurant funnel will help you generate leads, will help you turn those leads into contacts, and then convert those contacts into actual guests that will rave about their experience through engaging personalized and measurable communications those guests are nurtured into super fans to get started they offer a free marketing report card for your business go take them up on this visit restaurantfunnel.com chip to learn more So now marketing is about identifying a need and then filling that need, right? Finding a problem and then solving that problem. We focus on our guest and then serve them as best as we can, right? So again, this is really about figuring out who we are and who we're for, right? What's the problem we're solving? And then uh, how can we uh, provide that solution? How are we uniquely qualified to provide that solution. And, and again, this has to do with, with culture and trend and community and, and all of these kind of big words. Remember, we are causing some change to happen. Seth also famously said, if a change doesn't happen, 
then the marketing didn't work. Now that change can be something as obvious as turning someone from a non-customer into a customer. It can be about changing their point of view, their opinion on a certain topic, or it can be about shifting their behavior. But marketing at its most fundamental level is about making a change happen. If the change doesn't happen, the marketing didn't work. That's why marketing is so closely related, I think, to this idea of trends and culture, right? The best marketing out there helps shape behavior. The best marketing out there will set trends. Like I said just a few minutes ago, this idea of HGTV, right? Is HGTV uh, putting kitchens up there that look like all the other great kitchens out there? Or are all the other great kitchens out there in the world really emulating uh, what HGTV is doing, I think we all know the answer to that. Now, I want to talk about one of my uh, favorite examples to use. Carmine's is in Times Square. It opened like 25 years ago. It is a family-style Italian concept. Uh, they opened up right in the heart of Times Square. They are super famous, a big tourist destination. But right after they opened in the, let's say, five or ten years afterwards, a bunch of similar family-style Italian concepts started popping up all over the country, right? They were copying that because Carmine's set the trend, right? They changed the culture to a certain degree, and then other restaurants were, were following uh, in, their for, uh, in their footsteps. Surely, you can think of a thousand other examples out there in the world where a, um, where a business, a company, a product, a service, an experience, um, uh, you know, set the world down a new path changed the way we do things. Now, of course, we can talk about big things like the iPhone and how that changed our world. And we can also talk about small things as well, right? Like uh, like up in Buffalo, the wings, right? R wings were always, you know, chopped off and discarded for for forever. And uh, and then, of course, up in Buffalo, they started making these, uh, these famous wings, right? The wings tossed in hot sauce. And suddenly, they were basically free because people were willing to throw them away so that they, they could get them for pennies. And here they found, well, if you, you know, eat enough of them, a dozen or two dozen of them, uh, it actually makes a pretty delicious meal and people are willing to come in and just get a bucket of wings and maybe a couple of beers and they changed uh, the culture simply by seeing an opportunity and and they didn't, you know, it wasn't like people were asking for chicken wings. Nobody wanted chicken wings before the, you know, the 70s. Um, they started that trend uh, and, then, and then the world followed. So then the question is, how do we do that, right? For me, I'm going to bring it all full circle. It all comes down to the relationship between operations and marketing. Remember how I started this episode. Marketing of the thing can't make up for the thing. It's got to be baked into the pie. Here are three ways to help you shape that relationship, right? The relationship between operations and marketing, right, to ensure success. So again, three things. Number one, again, marketing the thing can't make up for the thing. The first thing you have to do is acknowledge. You have to understand that uh, the best way to market something is to have it be obvious. That it's got to be part of the product. The most uh, the, the the most salient points uh, to market uh, the um, uh, the iPhone 
were baked right into the iPhone. It was a computer in your pocket. You just told people there's a computer in your pocket, and people wanted it, right? Uh, when, when we when we talk about a lot of things, right? We we talked about Volvo, right? Volvo is an insanely safe car. They didn't have to go down and and convince people uh, that they wanted a safe car. They just had to tell people that it was a safe car and show them, change the culture, um, so that so that it became cool. It became worthwhile um, to to wear that on your sleeve to say, yep. I care enough about safety to buy a car like this, right? So it's got to be baked into the pie. Marketing of the thing can't make up for the thing. Make the thing uh, be as remarkable, interesting, exciting as possible, and then simply tell people about that remarkable thing. So that is the beginning of that connection between operations and marketing. Don't shove marketing in an office down the hall. Have marketing, uh, you want marketing to have a seat at the table. Number two, right? How, how do we do this? Number two, collaborate. Like I said, don't shove them down the hall. Invite the marketers into the room. There is a common goal and you need to get creative on how to execute that. Look for ideas everywhere you can. There are no bad ideas, but you've got to set a, a clear vision uh, for what needs to be accomplished and then you need to try to solve that. You need to accomplish that uh, through the product itself, through the experience, right? So if you want people to have a comfortable, you know, really great, you know, uh, time and, and come back uh, frequently, well, then you need to create a dining room that's comfortable. You need to create a service style that's relaxed and open and hospitable. You need to create, you know, seats that are comfortable and a menu that's affordable, uh, something that people can, uh, you know, can afford uh, to come back week after week after week or a couple of times a week, right? So it can't be, you know, you can't create the dining experience and then have the marketers say, well, come, it's really comfortable and, and, and you should come back every week. You got to make that experience uh, you got to make those things obvious in the experience itself. The way this happen is through uh, the way this happens is through collaboration. And then finally, number three, understand that attention is a commodity these days, right? So we're bombarded with ads. We're you know we're we walk past you know dozens of restaurants every single day. We can spend our money any which way, really at the the tap of a button. So how can you bring attention to what you're doing, right? How can you tell the story of your restaurant? your cuisine, your people, uh, you, the thing you're trying to do. Now, we talk a lot about things being, you know, Instagrammable. Uh, and I'm not telling you to create a menu that's Instagrammable. But I am saying that something that's Instagrammable is remarkable. That somebody stopped and looked at it and said, that's so incredible, i got to take a picture of it. And I've got to tell other people about it. I've got to show other people, right? That's about attention. And, and if you can just capture people's attention, that... Uh, creates a better experience. So I'm not telling you to do a bunch of gimmicky things to, to get people to, to take pictures and put it on Instagram. But I am saying if you create really uh, a really remarkable product, uh, you know, a beautiful presentation to a dish uh, or, you know, or an interesting plating or, a, you know, a, a, you know, a gorgeous dining room or a quirky dining room or a, whatever it is, that's going to get talked about. That's going to get photographed. It's going to get shared. It's going to get mentioned. It's going to get reviewed, right? So I think about, you know, easy options like this, right? Easy examples. So David Burke, years ago, put the bacon on the clothesline, right? So he took thick-cut bacon, he sizzled up, and then he took clothespins, and he put it on a clothesline, you know, put took four or five pieces, and served it to the table like that, right? So there was a vertical component to it. Um, it got seen. It got spotted as it was going through the dining room. So number one, you could smell it, but then it was easy to see. So what's that? I got to have that. What 
what's that? I got to take a picture of that. I got to tell my friends about this. I've never seen bacon on a clothesline before, right? And it spreads. That's how it goes viral. That's how it becomes famous. And of course, that's also how it makes it taste better, right? It, you go, that, that's incredible. I've never seen anything like this. Same thing at the French Laundry, right? Like the little salmon tartare cones uh, that come at the beginning of the meal, right? It's like, I've never, I've never seen salmon tartare served like this. Uh, there's the pizza guys, right? Tossing the dough up in the air on the boardwalk, just like they used to do 100 years ago. You know, that's that's my memory, my fondest memory of the Jersey Shore. Um, that's, that's something that's uh, remarkable simply because you don't see it anymore. Uh, and those places that still do it try to hold on to it because it's special. It's interesting. It sets them apart. Now, these, these remarkable things, these attention-getting things uh, can be just about anything. It can be a service flourish or uh, uh, the presentation of the food or uh, the way a drink is made. Uh, whatever it is, just make your things remarkable. Make your things worth talking about, right? That's what we want to do. Marketing is about getting people to talk about our things. The way you do that is not trying to you know rally that up. But making something that actually truly is remarkable, making something that people actually do want to talk about. Now, the best part of my job is that I'm able to leverage all of my operational experience to bring to my job as a marketer when I market restaurants. And to me, it's the only real way to do that. If there's anything I want you to get, that I want you to understand, that I want you to um, to believe me about, it is this. The only way to do it is to bake it into the pie. Better to understand the product and who it's for so that you can then find all kind of interesting ways to communicate that to your audience. Operations and marketing may have very different responsibilities, but they are after the same thing in the end, and they are much more closely related than people realize. Now, today, uh, your assignment is to think about that, right? I want you to just take out a piece of paper and think about the things that are so remarkable that really set you apart from your competitors, right? What are the things that are baked into the pie, right? Then on the back side, I want you to put all of the opportunities. I want you to start sketching out ideas, uh, service flourishes, uh, you know, uh, 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 plating ideas, presentation ideas, uh, you know, uh, you know, drink ideas, whatever it is, signage, logos. How can you make your product remarkable? Not not how you can you know gimmick it up or you know you know put some sizzle and splash on it, but actually, how can you fundamentally change the product, shift the product? so that it is remarkable, so that it is worth talking about. That's the assignment. That's it for this week. If you like the show, if you find value from the things I talk about here, then please go leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That is the thing that helps boost us up in the rankings. That is the single best way I know uh, that I've discovered uh, to grow this community. So please take a few minutes and do that. Thank you for being here. Stay creative, and I will see you next week. Restaurant Strategy is made possible by the generous support of our sponsors as well as our Patreon supporters. A special shout out to all of our gold and platinum members, Ty Hames, Scott Middleton, Chuck and Denise Close, Stephen and Ann Fagan, Mario D'Amatos, and uh, my very dear friend, Christopher Tana. If you want to become a supporter, please go visit patreon.com slash restaurantstrategy.